Well, welcome back to the Y Comics Podcast, where we talk about stories that impact and sometimes the creators behind them. I am your host, Jesse, and with me today is once again a good friend of mine. They're the uh, managing editor. I don't know why I wrote managing so poorly. Uh, managing editor at GamePer and has written for Uppercut, Crit, Paste, and more. It's Chris Compendia. Hello, Jesse. Thank you for having me back. It's been a yeah. while. It's been a while. Um, you're my favorite person next to Kayla to talk Marvel with. um and that means a lot i also love talking to kayla about this (laughs) yeah if if i had if i if i thought of this earlier i would have like nailed kayla down so we could have all 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 three of us kind of nerd out because i know next time saw eternals too recently so yeah uh but yeah i I wanted to have a special episode because we don't get to talk about the film side of comics too often on the show where we just kind of catch up on the mcu and kind of uh feel out how we're feeling because this is a really weird phase so far <laughs> yeah pretty much let me, um, especially let me with pandemic up. stuff and yeah. uh, all the delays and you know a rearranging and you know new mediums like they're they're streaming stuff now it's very odd i'm, I'm pulling up a list of what's in phase four currently i had the wikipedia page open um and because things were split up by films and television instead of it all being chronological I'm just looking at like the table of contents, not the actual page. <laughs> like, um, yeah, it's it's a little annoying that it's uh, there's separate. yeah, there's a lot to sift through. Like there have already been three movies with one coming up, and then four seasons of television. Now here's one, my question: Do we up. include Venom in this? <laughs> we can talk about the scene because I haven't <laughs> seen the whole movie. I've That's only fair. seen that scene. Yeah. <laughs> Um, cause I, I feel like Venom has, Venom 2 has to be considered an MCU movie. Kind like of that, more. that will, yeah, I, I suppose I can come up if we end up talking about No Way Home since that's about a month and a half now. Yeah. Um, because we certainly, yeah. We won't talk but, about the leaks, but we can talk about what's been in the trailers and stuff. Mm-hmm. Full spoilers for everything that's come out recently, like and all the it, way up it's, to Eternals. It's also hard because like a lot of things have been reported on for that movie. Mm-hmm. Some that's of it, the like, leakiest movie I've seen in a exactly. Time. Yeah, so like, like I don't know. Like, should we even like? Would I even be able to mention like comicbook.com reported that so and so was on set? Um, yeah, because I, I would, like it's weird. Yeah, <laughs> it's I would. Weird. I would just stick with what's in the trailer right now, just because. Yeah, fair enough. Not all of us are connected as me and you are, just because mm-hmm. of how one how we live, but two, like your job kind of makes you have to be so connected, and exactly, how, the yeah. jobs I want to have make me have to be so connected. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, what do you want to get started with then? Uh, what's the best? I think Wandavision is a good place to start because mm-hmm. I feel like Wandavision is like the hard set up for this phase and also kind of sets the weird tone in itself yeah and another thing that makes it weird is that it wasn't meant to be the first thing for phase mm-hmm. four i think falcon winter soldier was supposed to be yeah I think, um, I think black widow and falcon winter soldier were both supposed to come up before wandavision yes yeah exactly and so you know when you look at the first three phases they all begin with something a little grounded something that kind of sets the tone Iron Man, Iron Man 3, and then Civil War. And then to have WandaVision start off Phase 4, that just, at first, that seemed like a weird scheduling thing. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, this is the thing that's ready right now. I guess we're going to put it out there. Um, But it kind of makes sense, actually, because when you think about their foray into, quote-unquote, television, like, it's hard for me to call it streaming, also television. But... MCU likes to play with genre and WandaVision being a homage to the medium of television as the first Marvel Studios television show. That kind of makes sense conceptually. <laughs> yeah, and, and what's funny is I think indirectly it sets up a, uh, a fun thing that I think we're continuing to see, especially with this later set of MCU stuff, where the MCU is really fighting with itself, it feels like. Um, out of out of all of them, I feel like the only ones that kind of fit that theme is Falcon Winter Soldier and Black Widow. Like the only ones that feel the most MCU out of everything. I suppose, yeah. Um, I think Song Chi also had like it, it felt like it felt like a 
mostly standard MCU origin story, and they had True, like, a yeah. lot of references sparsed in between. Like, you know, Wong shows up, Abomination shows up, and then there's like credit stuff. Um, it's yeah, I I don't know. It's it's very odd because it's going very hard into. Well, that's not true. Like, not all of this stuff is multiverse shit. Um, Black Widow was weird because it was the first time, mm, I guess Guardians 2 technically was, but it was like the first time where um, it's a very clear in-between goal. Um, Like, they had to spend two whole minutes reminding you, this takes place right after Civil War. The other stuff hasn't happened yet. Um, So it was just very odd watching that movie now. And it still would have been odd if it came out at the original date because <laughs> you just saw Endgame the prior year. Yeah. Um, and it felt like this weird contractual obligation. <laughs> like, okay, we got Scarlett Johansson and we killed off her character, but we still haven't made a movie with her, so we should probably do that thing, right? <laughs> like, yeah, Black Widow, Black Widow's like, and, every, and everybody's kind of sad that she's seen it, but Black Widow's a movie that should have happened after Civil War. And it's just so odd that it's here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, totally uh like design wise setup like everything just feels so phase two not even phase three just phase two of marvel in a way that yeah, it's just weird that's all the way out here <laughs> by itself yeah and i kind of wonder if um it seems like marvel studios is just kind of like shotgunning everything like with phase one and two in particular everything seemed a lot more methodical like Mm -hmm. everything had to everything had to serve the larger narrative um it had to be like very it was it was quite linear and there was no fat you know like when you look at the dc movies um you really didn't need that first Suicide Squad movie, like that did not serve any purpose in like the larger narrative. And it seems like the MCU used to be averse to having standalone shit. Yeah. Um, and Black Widow was the first time I was like, I don't really see how this is going to like, besides the post credit scene, it just seemed very um, standalone. Yeah. And even like Eternals, like Eternals was weird because it was the first mcu movie that did not have a character from the previous movies um, very much and like one like thankfully it did it just because that movie was already really crowded but yeah, yeah. It, it does give it a whole different tone when they're not really interacting with anybody else it, it's the same way it kind of felt with uh far from home too because even though nick fury was in it and so was happy and stuff Nick Fury was in it very little, and he was off the whole movie because spoilers, he was a scroll the whole time. But um, stupid, yeah. <laughs> and, and 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 Happy is just Happy, like he's not really a character that you think about too often. So Far From Home did feel like a little bit odd because there wasn't a huge presence by another hero. That's interesting. Yeah, I I still felt that movie was very MCU-y, but um. Oh, I I think it definitely fits into that MCU vibe, but it did feel different in the sense of just like it sure. wasn't like a buddy yeah. cop movie kind of how a lot of these yeah. turned out to be. Yeah, and I think um, and I all that I just said, I don't mean that to be a point of criticism because mm-hmm. I really like I mostly liked Eternals. I think what I'm trying to say is that I don't think they would have made Eternals in Phase Two. Yeah, I know? agree. Like. I agree. There were if there was there was no space for that like like they they they've had a runaway script in the vault for the longest time by Drew Pierce, and they never popped that out because it just didn't fit in the narrative that they had back then. Mm-hmm. Um, so then said was like, okay, we'll we'll just let Marvel Television do whatever the fuck they want, and uh, Drew, you can write Iron Man three instead. Um, so that's how they salvaged that. And um, but you know if if Drew Pierce wrote that later. I'm sure they could have made a Runaways movie in Phase Four because there's just more room for that. Like it yeah, seems, seems like yeah. they're doing whatever the fuck they want to do now. <laughs> like, it, it really, it really does feel like <laughs> it was a hard reset after Endgame in some uh-huh. ways for production to be like, okay, let's pretend like we're in Phase One again. And yes, we have story threads we need to pick up on, but what if we did it in every movie? Because like you watch those, you rewatch those first four movies in Phase One. 
and they only connect with those post-credit scenes really and the, every approach felt distinctly different and then after avengers that's when the mcu is kind of really formed um, around every movie yeah exactly and, um, and i feel like that's where they're at again is kind of like okay shang chi uh spider-man dr strange all of these have to push the narrative that we're going with but eternals black widow like we can play a little bit of these maybe we can maybe give her a standalone where it doesn't have to feel so intertwined with everything so she has room to breathe and eternals mm-hmm. can start this whole new path for us kind yeah. of like guardians did in that way possibly yeah um and it's it's just hard to be it's hard to not be cynical sometimes because I I have very mixed feelings about the accessibility of streaming. Yeah. And to have basically Captain America 3.5 locked behind a paywall, mm-hmm. behind a subscription, like if if you want it like whatever they come up with Captain America 4, it's not gonna make a lick of damn sense without watching six episodes of the streaming television show. Um, and that's just very odd to me. And, and a lot of people catch these on digital releases or like um, Blu-ray releases. And I don't see Disney putting these on any other platform or physical at all. I wonder. Yeah, I haven't heard any mention of, of that. Um, you know, I, I, I'm pretty sure you, you certainly can't uh, buy them on digital storefronts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so like, I know Marvel television shows are like Daredevil is on Blu-ray and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know if Marvel Studios will do the same thing. But just because um, Disney Plus is such their platform too, like why would they ever try to cut into that marketplace without yeah. some real hard numbers showing that they can make a nice profit off of it? Yeah. They have such a weird way of approaching this. Like, um, yeah. So remember what, remember how like, um, all new episodes for any Disney Plus show, they'll be coming out on Fridays. Yeah. And and then they start to experience, like they put out a trailer of, um, I, 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 I wouldn't consider trailer, but I think they labeled it as trailer, but it was Tom Hiddleston as himself looking at a camera and saying like, mm-hmm. hey, instead of Friday, we're going to be on Wednesday. It's going to be low-key Wednesday. Um, like, uh, like some weird experiment or something like that. So then they started airing Loki on Wednesdays airing streaming uh loki on wednesdays and then they're like loki was a huge success we're gonna make every show come out on wednesday and it's like why is that the lesson you came out with (laughs) is it because there were i wonder if they were just trying to compete less because like netflix drops all this new stuff on fridays usually maybe yeah and Um, and other streaming services probably did the same so i'm wondering if that was the reason why but yes saying it was because loki was a success though is maybe the wrong way to phrase that yeah, because like people were gonna watch that no matter what day you put it out on. Exactly. Um, so you probably had like some Disney streaming executive like patting himself on the back and like trying to get a promotion or something like that after that, after that nugget of wisdom, I guess. It makes um, you want them to put out more <laughs> numbers and more statistics, really, when it comes down to it. Because I yeah, I assume that it's the turnaround time in the 24-hour period that it comes out is what they were looking at. Mm-hmm. Um, and like how many views did we get 24 hours from a Wednesday night release versus a Friday night release and if it's like double then like yeah okay that's cool <laughs> but that's not what you said <laughs> yeah uh, yeah they're never going to show that I don't even think Netflix shows or no shit. no one uh, shows anything on streaming it's <laughs> it's it's kind of uh, a scheme in that way <laughs> yeah yeah um um, well, do you want to talk about any of the individual individual titles, or how do you want to frame this? I, I kind of want to just kind of point out some of our favorite stuff, and then maybe mm-hmm. like talk about where it's failing because I do feel like Phase Four, as much as I like, I think I like everything that's come out so far for Phase Four. Um, it does feel rocky for some reason. It feels way more rocky than any of the others. And that's mm. probably that growing pain of like, where do we go from here? Where half of our cast or half of our big names are just gone, mm-hmm. or we have, or we won't see them for three years. Like, Guardian, not Guardians, Thor doesn't come out till what uh, July. Like that's forever since we've seen Chris Hemsworth live action in something, right? Um, so I think my favorite thing out of all of it is probably still Loki. 
Mm-hmm. It's it's hard to beat Loki because Loki was just so in your face with its style. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um. I was watching that with uh, with friends of mine, and uh, it, it was with a couple people who aren't really or who usually aren't into MCU, but they kind of liked the weird vibes that were coming out of Loki. So we gave that a try, and uh, I think pretty much all of us enjoyed it. Um, it was certainly it's something that they would not have done before, right? Yeah. Like having like yeah. a and like like the, the introducing the whole concept of variance and um, having like you know like a theremin based musical score and like um, oh, very a, a lot British of odd too. choices. A little bit, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like when you have like classically trained actors like Richard E. Grant showing up um uh it's yeah it, it it's i think i didn't like it as much as my friends did i think there were some times where it felt a little stilted and like i kind mm-hmm. of missed <laughs> this is just me but i kind of missed like shakespearean dialogue from foreign loki <laughs> oh yeah i get that yeah I get that. Totally. and yeah and like avengers one era loki was still very much that type of dialect but for some reason there just wasn't any of that in the show mm-hmm. um but it, it was it, it it the things like the thing like about the, the uh, disney plus shows is that most of these actors were just like background characters in infinity war and endgame and now they get a chance to like you know act <laughs> yeah <laughs> like um falcon Winter soldier like i I did not know that I would be heartbroken by a scene of Bucky crying of like Sebastian, Sebastian Stan, you know, mm-hmm. like the scene at the fight, like the, uh, with, um, with, with, uh, AO, with IO, um, when he realizes that his brainwashing is gone, like that's some really powerful shit that you would not, or like them fixing a boat, you know, that would not have made it, uh, in the cut of a movie because, that's a little too slice of life <laughs> for and, and something that's spend a lot like tighter. three minutes on that montage also exactly yeah um i i know a lot of people don't particularly uh, they're not particularly fond of falcon winter soldier but that's kind of like my guilty pleasure just because of my affinity for those specific characters yeah i get that um, and i do think they really did drop the ball at the end though um, I think it just got real cheesy and sentimental and um, look to hoorah in the world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but it, it was certainly worth it for a lot of reasons. Like I thought John Walker was handled interestingly uh, for, <laughs> at first, I think. Um, and it, it, uh, it, it just gave Daniel Bruhl a lot, of, you know, more opportunities to just be interesting and weird. You got the um, like Zemo was, mask. How can you hate exactly the Zemo mask? Yeah, like you know, I liked him in Civil War, but he was very much in the background of that movie. Like he yeah. was like kind of in the shadows, which is like kind of the point of his role in that movie. But here's like, okay, I'm like one of the guys, and I'm gonna fucking not ham it up, but I'm gonna like chew on the scenery. <laughs> like <laughs> when he's like passing Turkish delights to the kids and like singing songs, it's just so fucking weird. I love it. Um, but and, and really digging into the lore of Captain America and the Super Soldier Serum too is mm-hmm. something I think is a little understated in from that show. It's like people don't talk about how much it actually like expanded Cap's role in the MCU, mm-hmm. and it's probably because he's not in it, and that's probably why people don't think about it too often. But like having, um, oh gosh, what is his name? The um, the the the, the black captain America. what is his name off the isaiah bradley. yeah isaiah bradley yeah you're right yeah. you're right having him be there and having him discuss um what it was like for him like that's really important <laughs> and i feel like people are like yeah but that ending was bad i'm like yeah but the stuff before the ending was pretty good yeah exactly um yeah and and, and having um you know, like one of the criticisms of that show is that they were arguing way too much, and you know, it it seemed to be very superficial in its tribute to the buddy comedy, the, the to the buddy cop uh, genre. Yeah. 
Um, and I mostly agree with that. But when they actually became friends late in the show, that's when it started to really get going for me. And like the the most like the thing I the, the, the most powerful part of that to me is when Bucky apologized. And it was like, yeah, Steve and I, we didn't realize like the implications of giving a black man the shield. You know, yeah. like we <laughs> we forgot <laughs> we forgot that racism still exists. <laughs> so um so having having them actually acknowledge that and actually talk about it at points uh, again something that i don't think a movie would take the time to do mm-hmm. um regardless of how you think they handled it you know like there's still a lot of problems especially in that last episode um so i, I think the curse for the marvel tv and it's i think it's been a curse for except for maybe agents of shield for a long time is kind of wasted potential in a lot of ways where they have this budget and they have this time and these characters and these really good actors and they go at least for me they go in the wrong story direction most of the time or, or they don't fully explore the themes that they're going for they just kind of let them linger where in the movies have somehow built a formula where most of the themes going on in the movies get resolved and dealt with and tackled and kind of put to bed in two and a half hours where the movie yeah. has all this time and they don't finish. It doesn't feel like they finish anything. Yeah, for the most part. And um, yeah, and th- there's always criticism of pacing, you know, like sometimes it's moving too slowly. Yeah. Sometimes um, sometimes it, it's like they are, um, you know, putting down tracks as they're on the train or something like that. Um, and none of them have gone it right completely yeah um especially as they're like trying to play with different formats like wandavision was half hour nine episodes you know uh falcon winter soldier and loki were six episodes like hawkeye will also be six episodes and they're more closer um, to an hour for most of them exactly yeah uh she hulk i think is going to go with half hour 10 episodes um so I don't know. It, it, like, it, like uh, most of the Netflix Marvel television stuff was thirteen episodes, mm-hmm. and a, lo- a lot of those were like, "Yeah, this is a little too meandering." And then you had like Defenders, which was eight episodes. Like, boy, they didn't give enough time for this. So it, it seems like no matter how, <laughs> it seems like they can never choose the right format for any of these stories, uh, whether it's Marvel Studios or Marvel Television. Um, yeah, and it's, and instead of like with and we we can bring it up kind of briefly with like mm-hmm. shang chi and black widow and even eternals to some extent but i do think eternals suffered from this at the end those movies have a like a, a finish like they have an end they 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 save the day and they move on and then the post credit scenes is what teases the next phase where all the tv shows end with the tease to the next thing instead of really ending any story threads and I know, I know. After Loki, that got that, that got a huge criticism from like Loki. Just felt like a stepping stone to the next thing, with the yeah. way it ends. And I felt the same way, kind of with WandaVision. Maybe not Falcon and Winter Soldier. I mean, but- like like WandaVision. I feel like that was a very set ending. Like, okay, Vision's gone for sure. The kids are gone, but there is a little tease that they'll follow up some of that. But like in terms of like the sitcom narrative of that town, that seems really over and done with me. True. True. Um, yeah, like Loki, I mean, by nature of it being the first season of a multi-season television show, I guess, definitely felt incomplete. Um, but yeah, like now now Falcon Winter Soldier really seems like a weird bridge um, mm-hmm. with kind of a half-assed villain, <laughs> like, to, be quite, to be quite frank. Yeah, yeah. Or turning the real villain into a pseudo-hero at the end also, which... Like John Walker, like being able to quote. Oh, I wasn't even thinking about him. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I felt he was more the villain the entire time. And they're like, no, 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 actually, actually, he's not. (laughs) The people trying to do something here are the bad guys. Right. Exactly. Um, Yeah. It's it's really fat. And it makes me curious, like, what's Hawkeye going to feel like? Because I think Hawkeye's in the same position kind of Black Widow was. We're like, what's where is it going to connect is is black widow going to connect to hawkeye is hawkeye going to connect to what 
in that way. Yeah. I mean, we do know, we do know that there will be some Black Widow stuff in Hawkeye. Yeah. Uh, judging from the post credits of that. Um, I, I just want to see how they, because like this is the first time where I'm actually kind of familiar with the source because I have digested some of Matt Fraction's run. Yeah. Um, so like I watched that trailer, I was like, oh, there's the, you know, they're, they're the bros over there. Like there's the, there's the fucking tracksuit mafia. And then there's, there's lucky the pizza dog and stuff like that. Or like, that's the car that they were on. Like and that's one issue or something like that. Like, and I and actually there was a few scenes in the trailer where he had hearing aids too. Yeah, exactly. Um, Curious what that's all about. Mm-hmm. Could be a, uh, kind of a backtrack, but whenever better late than never, I suppose. Yeah. Or like a way to superimpose something that they couldn't technically do in the series. Um, I really think they just like didn't think of doing that until now. (laughs) Yeah. um, Like I I don't think Joss Whedon ever like had any consideration of making him hard of hearing, but you know. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't really until that Matt Fraction, David Aja series where he became hard of hearing so like mm-hmm. i'll give him credit for that but oh but it felt weird because i'm pretty sure i saw him in the trailer like it's like this when, when would this happen though because it doesn't seem like it's happening in this the dude's been in a lot of big battles like, <laughs> just, just statistically like, practically there's no way this man's hearing would still be okay <laughs> Uh, here's my question what did you think about what if because i did we talked about briefly that before this i i uh i finished it today to make sure i was all caught up on everything and what if is i think the weirdest thing out of all of phase four so far uh (laughs) i never felt the need to recommend what if to anyone exactly Um, it's very strange in that way yeah, it, it seems it seems like kind of a novelty. It seems like a party trick. Um, not to disparage like the enjoyment that I had with some of the episodes. Um, and it, it was a way to like kind of play with genre and you know, like that like there was like a murder mystery one, there was like a tragedy, and then there was like a weird like frat boy comedy in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was definitely a lot of entertaining stuff there. I think just in terms of a production, it was just odd because I don't really dig that animation style. And I certainly think, I, I think a lot of the voice acting was just garbage, yeah. um, especially from the actual movie actors. And I don't know if that was just poor voice direction, lack of preparation, or if because they just don't have experience voice acting, but, um, you know, like, like, like. I was just complimenting Sebastian Stan's acting and I thought his performance in the first what if episode was terrible. <laughs> like, yeah. And, the, and there's a scene in, in the last two with, with Chris Hemsworth as Thor uh, screaming Viva Las Vegas. And I'm like, what, what are we doing here? Yeah. I thought, uh, I thought uh, Benicio del Toro was by far one of the worst uh, offenders. Um, even, uh, but like, you know, whenever they had actual voice actors, like yeah. I think, um, you know, I, I forget, was it uh, Josh Keaton, I think, who voiced um, Steve Rogers and like Lake Bell voiced uh, Natasha and, um, you know, Ross Marquand, who um, played Red Skull in Infinity War. Um, he also played Ultron and he did a really good job there, mm-hmm. but he, that dude knows how to use his voice. Um, and, res, and they all mimicked the actors as well as they could too. For the most part, yeah. But um, yeah, I can still tell it's not them. But I was I was still able to kind of buy them in that role. Um, whereas, like even like Benedict Cumberbatch, I don't think he sounded good in the show. You know, like um, and, which is funny because I think he it sounded the best though out of almost all of them. I think Haley Atwell actually probably sounded the best, but he was second best in a lot of the scenes and he still felt very off (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah um and it it was it was fascinating just kind of like uh reading about all these separate episodes week after week um because all of them they all end very abruptly Mm -hmm. um and it seems like it was by design i have never read the what if comics but apparently like most of the what if issues would also end pretty abruptly yeah (laughs) and what if it's marvel's twilight zone 
exactly and like kind of like leave you wanting for more but it's like yeah that's all you're gonna see that universe see you later and then it turns out in the last episode they actually kind of follow up on all of those um and you know link all of them in, in an interesting way but um i don't know it's i don't think i want anything from this show to jump into live action i think when you start to get into the multiverse, you start to get into a lot of bullshit and you start mm. to risk being inaccessible to casual audiences. Um, that's definitely a big reason why I can't handle Arrowverse. Yep, I get um, that. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it looks like they're doing more stuff with them, the DC movies now, you know, like you have like fucking two flashes and like Michael Keaton suddenly start, like suddenly there. Um, so that's why I'm just really like, there are reports that maybe some of these things will jump out into like multiverse of madness or something like that. Um, and I'm really afraid of that movie being a fucking mess. <laughs> like, yeah. The things I have heard about, like the room, the, the leaks, the supposed leaks and rumors I've heard about multiverse of madness just have me frightened that they're going to put too many things into that movie. And I'm not even talking about Spider-Man yet. Um, which has like the most rumors and leaks and reports about. Um, and, and those scare me. Yeah. And, you know, I think there's something interesting with, um, I think Loki handled the multiverse in a very interesting thematic way because that show was very much about like our inner nature. And he, he actually actually got to see like literal different versions of him to see, like to, to kind of like hone in the fact that, um, you know, it's hard to get out of that nature because they all kind of end up the same way. Yeah. Um, so that had like an interesting story purpose to it. But then when it gets into like novelty stuff, like, um, like, you know, if you, if you suddenly do Spider-Man, too many Spider-Men, like, <laughs> um, in a self-contained movie, that might be a little harder to digest. Yeah. Um, I get that. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I haven't seen it yet, obviously. <laughs> like, and it, it's just, it's very odd with Sony um, being in charge of marketing. They have not really um, pushed. They it. have, exactly. Like they just, they just put out a poster this week. Yep. And the movie is out next month. Um, and it's, it's the teaser poster. It's not even like the poster poster. So. Yep. Um, and we haven't even gotten a, like, technically a full trailer. We've gotten a teaser trailer still. Yeah, exactly. And it seems like the leaks are being better marketing than than Sony's actual marketing. <laughs> yeah, you would think they would put the full trailer in front of Eternals, but I didn't even see the Spider-Man trailer in front of Eternals. No, oh, uh, the, the the rumor right now is that the, the last trailer will be with uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife, uh, oh, since that's a Sony well, joint. Hopefully seeing um, that next week, so... I have no interest in seeing that, to be quite honest with you. That's totally fair. <laughs> I don't think if, if my family wasn't interested in seeing it, I don't yeah. know if I would see it myself. Yeah, just just a brief aside, but I think um, the culture war over Ghostbusters is just really stupid, and the fact that they're trying to like force awakens this and trying to have this like nostalgic take on it for this comedy movie based on Dan Aykroyd's ridiculous musings about the supernatural is really really ridiculous. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a chance <laughs> that I I can see it working, but also like I don't have super high hopes, man. Like. <laughs> It's we'll just see. a it's a ridiculous concept. I like Paul Rudd. I also I also don't care about Ghostbusters. I don't know why that is held up in such high regard. Um, Old like this is not nerds. yeah, like this is not Star Wars, this is not James Bond, this is not Indiana Jones. Like yeah. it is it is literally Dan and Dan Aykroyd like pushing his crackpot theories <laughs> like into film form. Like <laughs> but anyway, um I I always think about like what will my parents think of this because yeah. at the end these are just movies you know yeah. like yes it's it's cool to like serve the hardcore fans um but at the end of the day they still have to like make a profit they still have to be accessible to the masses and if you have like if you have like I don't know if if Doctor Strange's Multiverse of Madness suddenly becomes the ultimate showdown of Ultimate Destiny, then I think you might lose me a little bit. <laughs> yes. um, and I'm certain I'm very interested in that specific production because 
it has a weird history behind it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Scott Derrickson and his co-writer leaving and then like Sam Raimi of all people taking over. Someone like, who's been known happen? to like fall apart making these type of movies. Right, right yeah. Like I, I, it seems like um, there was a lot of corporate pressure uh, from Spider-Man 3. So it's, I, I was like, okay, well, this this guy's probably done with that. And it's like, no, I'm going to make Doctor Strange. Um, so it's just, it's very odd because I'm, I'm sure that having to follow up from WandaVision and probably Loki, he probably had like a checklist of requirements he had to do. Um, but at the same time, I'm hearing like a lot of interviews where like, you know, Cumberbatch and Elizabeth Olsen and Benedict Wong are like, yeah, Sam's great to work with. You know, he, he's encouraging like a lot of improvisation, which I'm not used to in these movies. And it's like, huh, well then what the fuck is this movie going to be? <laughs> like, yeah. like, I don't think Dr. Strange can work like <laughs> Thor can. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, are, are you going to have Dr. Strange um, pranching the street, uh, doing finger guns and ladies and then putting on a dark suit and doing a dance? Like, <laughs> If there's not a post-credit scene in uh, No Way Home with these Spider-Men doing a dance sequence, Mm -hmm. I will be upset. Yeah. Um, Well, kind of of speaking to that, like about like making sure people around us who aren't like us can digest these movies. How was the Eternals experience? It was interesting because I predicted that my parents would hate it and I would be like I like it but it's flawed yeah and my prediction for myself was kind of correct but my parents actually liked it it was very surprising my my grandmother was in the theater she usually falls asleep during movies and she was she watched this whole thing and And it's a long movie (laughs) yeah and she she does not like drama and stress and despair um, but she, her first compliment was for the action scenes, which was very surprising to me. Yeah, um, I, I felt I felt like myself too. Is Eternals would be the first movie that because my me and my dad are pretty into the comics. My dad knows Eternals because he's been around long enough. Mm-hmm. But my mom is so out of it that I'm like, this is gonna be the first one. Mom just doesn't like. <laughs> and right. I, we, we were walking out. She's like, she's like the first. She's like the first half an hour really sucked. But other than that, enjoyed it. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, um, it's kind of sad if it's going to like turn into like a weird, another stupid culture war and like people complain yeah. on the forums and Reddit so. about and like, and, you know, like I, I will say there is a lot of irrational insecurity regarding Ron Tomato scores. Yes. Um, people want that validation. I get well, it. A lot of people don't know how that number works. Exactly. Um, and I don't know. It, it's like it's like I, we've seen the DC fandoms kind of like implode over over that kind of stuff, and to see it happen to Marvel too, it's like, well, I guess we're all <laughs> we're all insecure in the end, aren't we? Yeah, um, and we're, we hit a weird like intersection of people who <laughs> don't understand the internet that are old and also young. It's weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but I I did like Eternals. It was just an odd experience. Like I, I've not, I've only seen Nomadland. I have not seen have, Chloe Zhao's other films. Any of her other films. Still. Yeah. Um, and the thing about Nomadland was that I'm trying to find a better word because I was going to say disjointed, but that has negative connotations. Um, it's, it kind of like moved on from one thing to the other without you kind of realizing it. Mm. Like it, it was almost kind of like a dream sometimes. Um, and it was very much to represent like how <laughs> nomadic Frances McDormand, uh, her character was, and just kind of moving on from one thing to the next. Um, and it was like very, you know, there, 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 there weren't any um, scenes of people explaining stuff to you, you know? Like I, a lot of it was just like, I felt like it was up to me to figure out what I'm supposed to be getting out of this scene. Um, and I kind of like formed my own narrative in my head after watching that movie. Not that it was like totally vague <laughs> and, and um, intangible, but um, it definitely, it probably inspired different feelings in me that it might have for someone else. Yeah. Um, for Eternals, it was 
kind of weird because it did use a lot of like um, natural lighting and, you know, a lot of stuff was like done in camera and, um, you know, on location and which I found funny because like apparently Kevin Feige was like um, glowing to Disney executives. He's like, this is all in camera. We didn't use any CGI or green screen. And I'm like, congratulations, Kevin, you discovered outdoors. Um, like, <laughs> like, yeah, man, that's how people make movies. <laughs> so um, it definitely, it definitely met my expectations for the visuals, but boy, was there a lot of exposition in this movie. Um, yeah, that's, like that's that, the biggest, one of the that, biggest hurdles. That one sequence where um, Aramesh is like explaining everything to um, Gemma Chan in one go, I was like, boy, this is just going. <laughs> like, 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 there's another, there's a movie after this, right? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> um, and I will say, I, I kind of do wish I saw this in IMAX because um, it was pretty cool to see the actual scale of the Celestials. Yes, yes, um, that was one of the coolest things, I think. Yeah, like, for, like for most of the movie, you only see like part of their face. <laughs> and it takes forever until he's like, oh, well, these are big dudes. Um, and actually going into that, um, you know, cosmic, almost mythical part of Marvel Comics that, um, you know, like the Jack Kirby art that the cast and crew love to glow about in interviews, like, um, I thought that was translated really well. Um, I wish there was a little more of that. And like, I was surprised by how many jokes there were in this Yeah, in this the trailers weren't very jokey, so I didn't know how jokey this was going into it. Right, and like, granted, like, you know, I laughed at some stuff, like, um, you know, like, when when Kit Harrington like, decides to not do parkour to follow the other two, like, I thought that was a funny moment, or, uh, but some of it seemed, like, really telegraphed, like, I think Kumon Nanjiani was very funny, um, but a lot of his stuff seemed, like, really predictable and obvious like when he's like yeah. trying to hype when he's trying like trying to hype up Gilgamesh showing up and then he's like wearing like a you know a silly apron or something like that that was like oh there's gonna be a stupid gag there is like, it just seems very telegraphed very obvious very formulaic um and but I don't know it's it's um this will definitely be an interesting Warshack test because some people will kind of go in expecting like a Guardians kind of thing, whereas I was kind of like from like the Nomad Land fan perspective. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so you know, it might be surprising when you watch this and you're like, wow, like Angelina Jolie did not have that many lines in this movie. Um, but I thought she was, and like, you know, I agree, she didn't have a lot of screen time, so I was surprised, but like, the more I thought about it, the more compelled I was by her character. Mm-hmm. And, One of my favorite characters in the movie. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and like, um, um, you know, that, that whole like caretaker-patient relationship that she had uh, with Gilgamesh, um, I thought was an interesting subplot. And um, just Angelina Jolie knows how to act, right? Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> so, so, so like depicting... Uh, that's like almost childlike confusion when she was afflicted by by this condition uh, was you know pretty effective. Um, in fact, I pretty much liked all the characters except for Icarus and Cersei. Like, <laughs> like I you know I thought that Druig and um, well Lauren Rid- Ridloff's character I forget her name the speedster mm-hmm. um, I I found those relationships to be more fascinating. I found like Athena and Gilgamesh to be more fascinating. I thought like, you know, I would have loved to spend more time with Fastos and his family, you know, like, yeah, it was very much a Disney-fied gay moment, but at least it was better than like, you know, Beauty and the Beast. Or like, even Star Wars. Wars. So, yeah, Star Wars, like in the, in the, in for less than a second in the background. <laughs> like, um, so, you know, I did tweet this, but like, it's crazy that 10 people lived here for 7,000 years. Only one of them came out gay, <laughs> but whatever, True. man, whatever, Marvel. Um, so I feel like this movie will be up for debate for days, weeks, months, years to come um, because it was just so, 
it was odd. Like there were yeah. some times where I forgot I was watching an MCU movie, and there were some times like this is the most MCU ass shit ever. Um, but you know, I can't imagine that uh, because like Chloe Zhao has really been out there for the press tour and has been like very candid. And I think we would have known if something were wrong in production. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like when, like when, when Thor the Dark World came out, like you can tell that like Alan Taylor had a bad time making this movie. <laughs> like, um, or, or I don't know, like, like Joss Whedon, like he, he was like openly complaining on podcasts, like right after Age of Ultron came yeah. out. <laughs> like, yeah, no, totally. <laughs> so... So it seemed like they made the movie they wanted to make, but maybe it just didn't like register to a lot of people. Um, you know, you, you had you can't have a perfect score. Like eventually, you're going to have a movie yeah. that doesn't resonate with a general audience. Yeah, um, and you know what? I am all for having weirder and incongruent and. Like I don't, I don't, I don't think this movie was risky. Like people are like, "Oh, this movie's so ambitious. It has the first sex scene, you know? Like it has the first gay kiss." But like, it's it ambitious was... for MCU standards, but not for general movie standards. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, it, 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 even though like, yes, this is a very expansive story of like, you know, these people of these immortal beings have been here for thousands of years. But like, in terms of um stakes and character arcs it was very much like the world's gonna end we gotta stop it <laughs> like, yeah that's the movie right <laughs> like, uh and you know you can you can say there's like a lot of things like you know fate versus free will you know love versus duty and um i don't know uh some other third thing i'm probably forgetting right now well there's like there's trauma uh, in there there absolutely yeah the idea of manipulation and like kind of gaslighting it like there's a lot going yeah. on i you know like it is humanity worth saving you know that's yeah. always like that's always like a big question in these kinds of movies like man human beings suck but i love them anyway if <laughs> we should do yeah. something about this uh it, it but eternals it's having my biggest flaw currently with the mcu and that is Disney's aversion to unions in some way, um, and I, I think don't know what I, about. I think I think you might get what I'm saying when it comes to like, especially that final fight, and even the post credit scene with that full CG character. The Marvel budgets are huge, but their special effects are starting to wane in a weird way. Did you see that fucking troll at the end? Pick That's what I'm troll. saying. Like that character and the final fight felt very janky the entire time. And I felt the same way in WandaVision. I felt the same way in Shang-Chi at the end. And I even yeah. felt that way in some parts at the end of Black Widow, where it's just like, what are we doing? People, here? people were mocking certain shots from that from that Black Widow finale just because they looked just so fucking weird. Yeah. <laughs> like, and and uh, uh, like have you seen Dune yet? No, I might watch it this weekend. That would be right. so well, I'm excited for that. Dune has a smaller budget than Eternals, and like overall, it does look better. But that's because it's using practical as much as it possibly can, and Marvel just won't do that. It seems like. And yeah, it, yeah. and I get it. Again, it's it's Disney. <laughs> it's Disney also finding a way around unions in that way, but it's it's really starting to show and i hope they kind of come to their senses and figure it out yeah same i guess we'll see. <laughs> I guess we'll see because I, 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 I think i'll yeah. think all the way back to like cap and stuff in, in like that era and even endgame and um if anywhere look great um but like i don't think we're ever gonna see fights like civil war or uh or um or uh Winter Soldier. The first adventure kind of looked like crap. If you oh, ask yeah. Me. Like, early, <laughs> early, early MCU aside, because those also um, had issues with budgets. Yeah. Black Panther, I think the, the finale and like that little like train sequence, I think that looked really cartoonish. And, um, and they've gloated before about how they have these uh, special effects studios working like up till the night of the premiere. Doing that's not a thing you want to brag about <laughs> yeah exactly i remember i think i want to say it was endgame they were talking about yeah we worked on it like till the night of and i'm like you shouldn't be <laughs> you yeah. should have been done by this months ago 
Yeah, so you really start to question, like, even though they have like an extra year for a lot of these movies, like, why does this look like crap? Right, because yeah. they're probably because of some and skeevy labor shit going on. There's plenty <laughs> of behind the scenes showing how much is done on set practical, but then to make it look filmable, they're just mm-hmm. like, nah, too much money. We're just gonna put CG all over it. Yeah, pretty much. And, yeah, it's it's frustrating, and that's like the, I think that's the biggest flaw that keeps showing its ugly head in all these things. Yeah. It's just like they have the budget, but they're not utilizing it correctly. It feels like that it all goes to marketing and talent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I have a lot of other thoughts on Eternals, but most of them are positive, so I don't need to spew about all my positive thoughts. Except for Black Knight stuff, that's all I really gotta say. Sure, yeah. Also, what a weird, the huge spoiler for End of Eternals. Barry said we're spoiling stuff. What a weird casting choice it is. And Henry Styles being uh, Star Fox. Harry not- Styles? Did you say Henry Styles? H- Harry Styles. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I hope I didn't say Harry, but hey. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's it's one of those weird choices where like Star Fox is a cool character in general in the sense of what he means to the uh, Marvel Universe. But to have someone as charming and notably nice as uh, Harry Styles play him um, is odd. <laughs> Because he's such I can a, see it. he's a very gross character though. They probably won't make him gross as he is in the comics, but he's a very gross character. He'll probably be like some sort of Lothario, like womanizer, like you know, wink, wink, uh, sort of dude. Like I don't think he'll be like a total scumbag, but I don't know. I don't know who's gonna like actually handle this character. You know, it's whether a, it's like I don't know. I don't it, think it's gonna show up in Guardians three or something. But yeah, I don't think um, so either. But it's also too weird to retcon Thanos to being an eternal that was also is that what they did i don't i can't even tell because like, i started they, looking up i was like wait so like thanos is a titan but like eros is also a titan but he's also an eternal so that's yeah like, so what the, what the fuck so is going on here real, real quick history thanos mm-hmm. and star fox are brothers i think star fox though has a different lineage in some way i think either a different dad or a different mom i don't remember um and they're technically well thanos himself is technically considered what a deviant in the marvel comics himself but he's the he's the son of he's the son of two eternals and so it's star Uh fox i believe um but in this they've established that star fox is just an eternal and the brother of thanos so thanos also means he has to be an eternal that doesn't make sense the way that they use thanos (laughs) I don't fucking know, man. Yeah, like, it's, it's, it's very just, weird. I'll just, I'll, I'm, just I'm I'll just take whatever they have to say in face value. It's like, okay, sure, that's Thanos' brother, whatever. Why is Thanos all big and purple? Whatever, man. I don't care. Why is he trying to get the Infinity Stones? Why did a Celestial already try to stop him? Um. So yeah, to, to kind of to kind of wrap up, the last thing I wanted to pick out is like, what are kind of our predictions for the future? Like, what do you think the big bad is going to be for the next phase of the Marvel universe? And also, what are the what's the one TV show and the one movie you're really looking forward to? Uh, I mean, it seems pretty obvious they want Kong the Conqueror, Kang the Conqueror. I don't know how to say Kang Kong, whatever. Um, they want that dude to be kind of the big multi movie multiversal villain. Gotcha um like that seemed what they that seems like what they implied with loki yeah and we know he's he's in ant-man and lost yeah quantum mania um what a weird name yeah it's a real great fucking name i love it <laughs> do you see that logo do you see like I did, I've, logo? I have, it looks like spy kids anyway <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah i i don't know what to expect or what i'm looking forward to because i'm just kind of like I'm just at this moment, I'm like, oh, right, you do you, whatever. Um, because I'm going to be honest with you, I was exhausted after Endgame. I was like, yeah, I'm, for sure. I'm okay with no more MCU. Uh, and having that year-long break was actually very nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, like, like, granted, now I have big MCU brain where it's like, you know, I'm reading all about Spider-Man No Way Home and like all the leaks and all that stuff and like trying to figure out what's going to happen in there. You know, I'm kind of like reading a lot of behind the scenes on Eternals and trying to get my hands on like any interview quote I can get from Chloe Zhao. And, you know, obviously I love Shang-Chi. Like, um, it, it spoke to me as Native American and I really loved that movie, but I just don't know what is exciting me like i definitely want to watch whatever taiko t does next with thor 
Um, and just the pure mess that Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness seems to be. Like, I just have to know what that movie is. Like, it's probably my most anticipated, but for weird reasons. <laughs> just because, like, I love Sam Raimi. I love Sam Raimi's work. And it's been a minute, too. It's, it's yeah. by Sam Raimi. Yeah, and it, and it seems like this is going to be very definitive. Like, this, I mean, you know, this is, like, for scheduling reasons, maybe not for, like, but, like, but like Doctor Strange has the May slot, which is yeah. usually, like, you know, like, uh, that, that's usually the Avengers slot. Um, so if they're going to go full multiverse, you know, in the, in the one that has a multiverse in the name, uh, I would expect this to have a lot of repercussions and hopefully, like, actually give us a roadmap on what this phase is about. <laughs> um, not that, like, there has to be, like, a big bad every phase, you know? Like, phase two is very much, like... Um, I didn't yeah, like, 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 phase four is very much, like, okay, well, the blip happened. Like, we got to pick up the pieces. Like, what mm-hmm. is happening now? Um, so... And, and, you know, just trying to figure out, like, what is going to work without Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans. Um, so a lot of, like, redefining, like, a lot of, like, new generations of young heroes, like Kate Bishop and um, whoever else is coming. You know, we don't, we don't know for sure. Um, there's a lot of different thematic things going on that just are not unified so far. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, like it's all, it all comes across as chaotic from me, the consumer and me, the person who is like um, very wired in to how these movies are made and produced. Um, I imagine if I talked to like my parents, like they wouldn't be like, they, they would be like, oh man, there's just so much Marvel every year. And like, that's true. Um, but they're probably not thinking about like what the larger arcs are or something like that. Yeah. Um, they will just like go into the theater. Like they didn't know anything about Eternals. It was like, I was just like, hey, let's watch Eternals. It's a new Marvel thing. And it's from the person who made No Man Land. They're like, okay, fine. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it seems like a lot of um a lot of ordinary folk are just going to this movies because Marvel is like Marvel is in the name. Um so I don't know. And like, that's, that's good for the brands because that's just guaranteed butts on seats. That's guaranteed box office numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of like what they're actually trying to do, it's weird. even just like from a pre production standpoint, like have you noticed that Kevin Feige is not the only credited producer in these movies now? Yeah, I noticed that with Eternals. I'm like, who's this other guy? <laughs> Nate, Nate Moore, Nate Moore was in the background. He, he was like, so it's interesting. So like they have like Nate Moore, um victoria alonzo um who else like um eric carroll like they have a lot of different producers in marvel studios and they all kind of like divvy it up so like eric carroll would do like the spider-man movies nate moore like did black panther and like uh but like they would all get like executive producer credits um, yeah. so maybe this is a signal that like hey we want to acknowledge that there are more people on this team besides kevin feige um, and it, it makes sense to me that Nate Moore was involved in Eternals because, like, uh, you know, like, Eternals was very much, like, trying to be, like, progressive with how it's representing uh, certain demographics. Um, and, like, that was very much, like, one of his initiatives in Black Panther. Uh, but also, I just read, like, literally just now, apparently, because some people have seen the first two episodes of Hawkeye, um, Hawkeye, <laughs> Hawkeye apparently has... Um, the added credit, Marvel Studios presents a Kevin Feige production. Weird. (laughs) That's really weird. Also, I think Eternals was the first movie that had a director's name film, like a Chloe Zhao film. Like, no Marvel Studios movie has ever had that. Yeah, and I mean, and I think this is the first Marvel Studios film that kind of deserved it in that way where it's such her vision mm-hmm. inside the movie well you can you can you can also take the cynical route of like well she won a fucking oscar so of course yeah. they'll put it, because like they in the, tra- the trailers had from oscar from academy award winning director chloe zhao 
and no Marvel movie has ever touted the talents behind the camera before for a movie. Like, you know, like most movies are like from the director of Training Day, but like Marvel never does that. Um, so it's interesting how they're rethinking things, you know, and like if, if, um, rumor, if certain rumors are true and people from movies that Marvel Studios did not make are jumping into their movies, like that will be an interesting change of pace. Like we already saw it, we kind of saw it with Evan Peters. Um, so <laughs> I don't know. I I I want I I'm looking forward to being surprised and baffled and confused. Yeah, um, same. That has certainly not happened for a while in a Marvel land. Um, and to see like, you know, what is Marvel without? Downey Jr., Evans, you know, like I, I don't think the Russo brothers will come back. Um, just, just seeing how they take advantage of their success, how they're going to change their proven model. Um, and because, like, my, my fear is that they will take Eternals as a failure. I don't think they will, but I'm afraid mm-hmm. that they will. <laughs> um, because I want to see more weird fucking shit like Eternals. <laughs> like I want them to like, like Sam Raimi is directing an MCU movie. Like <laughs> that's so really weird to me. <laughs> yeah, I, I really do hope this is the first phase where we really see directors take more of the helm than they have been. I mean, not saying that directors don't have their own. Yeah, like James Gunn certainly has. Yeah, yeah, um, and there's a few others, but I feel like this is the generation to really break out of the mold fully. In, in a mm-hmm. way like there's still going to be mcu tropes all over the place because that's just how it goes with long franchises but and i mean it's the way it, it's the way the two big two comics are there's always going to be dc and marvel tropes inside the comics but the writers are taking bigger and bigger swings which i think is the most important thing yeah and um <laughs> you know um i actually think um i would not mind more movies that are standalone yeah and like like I know the third Ants Man will not be standalone because you know it's probably gonna have a lot of like kind of the conqueror bullshit, but I honestly think Ant Man the Wasp is one of the most underrated MC movies ever because I still it, haven't seen it. It's the one I haven't seen. <laughs> it I made some I made someone uh I, I have a friend who um the only movies he hasn't seen were Ant Man the Wasp and Captain Marvel, and I made them watch Ant Man the Wasp with me. Uh, just because I love the movie so much, because it is, it is a Paul Rudd comedy that happens to have superhero stuff, and it's low stakes. There is no end of the world stuff, and there is arguably no villain. And I don't think anyone actually dies on screen in this movie. <laughs> like <laughs> you and I will have to like find a night that we're both free and make a movie night out of it. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, um, I good, I really good. enjoy that movie. Ant-Man's the one of the more frustrating Marvel movies, I think, out of all of them for me personally, because it's the one that, like, I know why people love it, but I just can't give into it. So I'm really curious mm-hmm. how I feel about Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah, like, uh, the first movie was very much in Edgar Wright's shadow, and this one was very free of that, and that's, that's why cool. I enjoy it more. So um, Yeah, and I, I think for me, I'm really excited to see what Thor Love and Thunder is, because Taika Waititi has such a interesting it's a story. stupid name what a stupid name I what's a stupid name <laughs> he has such an interesting directional flavor that the source material that he's adapting does not have um so i'm just curious how they're gonna meld um yeah and then moon knight because oscar isaac and ethan hawk playing against each other is something <laughs> i want to yeah. see so bad yeah and i'm upset that i have to wait till next year to see it <laughs> I can't believe they got it. I just thought the story of like Ethan Hawk was like, hey, you want to do a moon night? I was like, yeah, sure. Like that's literally all it took for to get Ethan Hawk onto this fucking show. Um uh, and they're filming it like on set in like a different like in like location and stuff. Like it sounds like it's gonna be fun. Yeah, we'll see. I, I would I'd be interested to see how they play how they do the mental health angle. But that's gonna be its biggest hurdle next to Oscar Isaac not being Jewish. Like, those are, like, the, the big two hurdles. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, I'm a little afraid of Thor and Love and Thunder, to be quite honest, because um, even though I really liked Ragnarok, 
it still felt like very half in-house Marvel and very half YTD because mm-hmm. you know it, it was like it was still based on a screen and on a screenplay that Taika Waititi did not write. Yeah, and it seems like this will be Taika Waititi up and down, and I'm just like, okay, well, a lot of things worked in Ragnarok, so he's definitely going to be trying a lot of that and more. Is it possible that might be too much? Yeah, and Ragnarok <laughs> is like out of all the Thor movies, I really like the beginning of Thor one. I like the end of Thor two a lot, and I like the beginning and end of Ragnarok, and I just don't like the middle of Ragnarok all that much. So I'm very curious if the middle was all Taika Waititi and the beginning and the end was very that script. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I like uh, Love and Thunder, but Christian Bale is the bad guy. That sounds like fun. The casting is getting weirder and weirder. Like, holy hell, how do they? <laughs> like, I don't know if it's like a Star Wars thing, where like everyone just wants to be in these one in one of these things, or everyone just thinks it's like a good paycheck or like the next natural step in their career or something. But like, <laughs> I don't know. The casting is just so ridiculous in these movies, and I love it. Chris, thank you for coming on and talking about MCU with me because it is uh it is a touchy subject with some, but also just a fun subject to kind of jump around in. Um, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at Compendrizer on Twitter. Uh, you can also, I guess, you can read my work on Gamepro.com. Uh, I'm I'm mainly managing and editing, so I don't really write too much these days, but occasionally you will still see a piece from me on that website. And you can find this show on Twitter at YComicsPod. You can email me at YComicsPodcast at gmail.com. If you have a question for a guest, want to be a guest on the show yourself, or have a story about how comics impacted you that you want read on air, you can reach me at all those places. If you like the show, please leave a review and tell a friend. Logo is done by Annie Manley, who you can see working on The Simpsons. Banner is done by my friend Steven. Theme is joined the restaurant by David Sidzetsi. And remember, everybody, Captain America has made his career on annihilating Nazis and also getting a shot. Um, so uh, he's a great role model. Um, so <laughs> have a good night, everybody. We love it. <laughs>